Humble Holding Up is brought to you by the North Coast Co-op and Cypress Grove. You know, Goff as a, a Humboldter, a Humboldtian, a Humbush, I don't know. One of those. Yeah. <laughs> there are a few things that I always have in my fridge. And uh, one of okay. those is a package of Cypress Grove goat cheese. Yeah. Really? Is that true? Yeah, always. It's okay. locally made. It's delicious. Uh-huh. You got it. You have to have it in your fridge. Find it at local retailers or online at cypressgrove.com. Okay, I'll do that. And speaking of cheese, did you know, Steph, that the North Coast Co-op has its very own cheese-centric podcast? No. Okay. Yes, it's really true. Everyone has a podcast now. It's called Cheese the Day, the North Coast Co-op Cheese the Day, where you can listen uh, to cheese nerds talk about all things cheese. Find it on all your podcast streaming services. It's Humboldt Holding Up, the 85th most popular society and culture podcast in Panama. I'm Stephanie McGarry. And I'm Andrew Goff. Yeah, when you do things online, every once in a while, you just get weird emails. I didn't know this going into podcast land, that you that by doing a podcast, you somehow, you get lots of weird emails of people telling you that you're great, um, specifically... <laughs> This That's week horrible. that we, we learned that we are the 85th most popular, what was it? It's, it's very specific. We are the 85th most most streamed society and culture is what they, they put us under. Great. Podcast in Panama. In, in the Panama, nation in the, of Panama. The nation of okay. Panama. I have no idea where we are yeah. in uh, the U.S. or California or Humboldt County. But. Way down. Uh, and like, and, and I should be clear, do I believe that for a second that we're the 85th? No, I don't at all. But uh, it's, but it's hilarious and, and part of living in this fever dream of uh, online world that we... Uh, I'll take, I'll take it. To me, sure. it's great. It means we've made it and it's our, all of our dreams are going to come true. <laughs> well, we're back. We took uh, some time off for Christmas. And yes. uh, I would say that uh, today's show is a disaster. Sorry. No, it's about disaster preparedness. Uh, 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 yeah. Specifically, <laughs> there is a group in Humboldt called uh, Humboldt COAD or Humboldt Community Organizations Active in Disaster. It's a mouthful. Uh, and what they are aiming to do is to build a network of local organizations, nonprofits, faith-based institutions, food service-based businesses, basically anyone who may be of assistance uh, in times of great strain here in Humboldt uh, so that they can better coordinate a response that will help people here in Humboldt. So today we are pleased to have with us Humboldt COAD Executive Director, Allison Sterling Nichols, to talk about uh, this effort as well as some of the ways that uh, Humboldt may be vulnerable to disasters. Uh, I do think it's important. We've suffered some disasters recently. We've been tested. We've been tested this last couple of years. Humboldt COAD is an organization that is looking to step up, fill the void, uh, be kind of a hub for uh, community response. So I say, let's get Allison in here. Hi. Hi, there, there we go. go. You were just muted. Yeah. Well, I thought I thought before we, you know, actually got into this, you know, like this is the first one of these that we've done uh, in the new year, and I and I'm starved for uh, people connection and understanding what's going on. I just thought maybe I'd ask you, like, how is your uh, umpteenth surge of the pandemic going? Uh, <laughs> 
how, how these last few weeks that have seemed uh, especially crazy been for you? Um, <laughs> so this umpteenth surge of uh, COVID for us has been that my uh, daughter has been in quarantine for the past seven days, mm. um, which is the first time that's happened, hence that closed door behind me. And yeah. uh, she just tested negative this morning. We're super cautious. And so it was somewhat surprising, but she does work. So yeah. um, there's that. So anyway, she's um, she was relatively asymptomatic, so that was also good. We're vaxxed and boosted. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Have you, have you had to have you had to scramble uh, looking for rapid tests, and that seems to be the the dance that a lot of people are doing right now. We were fortunate that CVS in McKinleyville had a okay. stock right when she tested positive, and we're in West Haven, so. Yeah. So we were able to to get some. They had a limit, of course, but we were able to get some there. We're gonna we're gonna send people rushing yeah, to the CV, CVS in McKinley. <laughs> they'll be sold out <laughs> soon enough. Yeah, when everybody. Yeah. They actually they are. I was there the other day and they were all gone. So okay. Really yeah. Much. Well, yeah. So crazy time, but let's. Uh, why don't we talk about uh, Humboldt Coad? Yeah. Yeah. Talk about other crazy crazy times. And, it, and, and is that how you, do you say Humboldt Coad or Humboldt COAD or what? Humboldt Coad. Coad is a national acronym. So that's not something that we just generated here. They're, they're, um, it used to, they used to be called VOADs, V-O-A-D yeah. for Voluntary Organizations Active in Disaster. And yeah. then they uh, were growing so much that people began to realize they weren't just voluntary organizations. It was entire communities. Yeah. So evolved into co-ads from there. Yeah. So Humboldt Community Organizations Active in Disaster. And, uh, you know, here, here in Humboldt, we're pretty aware of uh, a number of ways nature occasionally likes to mess with us. Uh, you know, obviously last month we had a somewhat sizable earthquake that we seem to have endured okay. Um, also last month we had a big winter storm that really tested the infrastructure of, of, of some of our inland uh, communities. You know, in recent years, we've seen increased risk of wildfires. COVID has certainly found all sorts of ways to strain us. Um, and your organization, Humboldt Coad, is uh, tasking itself with helping Humboldt to be more prepared for disasters that may come our way. Um, so I guess I'm, I'm curious to know, um, in what areas do you see Humboldt as, as being most vulnerable? And uh, what are you going to do to fix it? <laughs> I don't. I don't know about fixing it, but we're certainly okay. <laughs> we're working to towards it. Yeah. Improve our situation. Yeah. Well, we're uh, as you both know, we're um, really geographically isolated, and so there's limited access roads and infrastructure that are affected by that. And so uh, a lot of the sort of inland rugged part of the county would be really difficult to get to during a disaster, yeah. and. Uh, there are many remote populations, but then we also, of course, have our coastal populations that are also vulnerable to other things. And so the way that we are, uh, that co-eds are structured is we don't take on a fleet of volunteers, you know, like say the Red Cross or great organizations like Food for People and other local organizations. We sign up organizations to be member organizations for free. And those organizations could be nonprofits, tribes, faith-based organizations, businesses. Uh, and they have one representative that attends co-ed meetings. And mm -hmm. then that representative takes that information back to their group. And, yeah. um, and they also have an alternate in case that person you know, can't make it for some reason. That way we have our entire, eventually our entire community and communities represented 
and we can coordinate on, on that level and, yeah. and have folks take that information back to their groups. Is it, is it right to say that y'all are, are hoping to be kind of a middle person for, you know, just like a, a kind of a hub um, connecting all potentially uh, do-gooding organizations that may be able to assist in the event of a disaster so that, that people are communicating, resources are being shared? Is that, is that how you kind of see your role? That's right. Well, the co-ed will act as a hub in that way for a tremendous amount of preparedness because in order to not have chaos during a disaster, it just takes a lot of planning ahead of time. So yeah. much of it will be preparedness, but um, also communication during a disaster, uh, identifying gaps. Uh, of course, we don't want, for instance, all the food to go to one place and have no food in another place. And so people are coordinating already within their smaller networks, but we're acting as a larger network to respond and also for resilience and helping after the fact. So it's, you know, before and throughout the disaster, including prevention, but then also response and recovery. And we're very closely coordinated with the Humboldt Office of Emergency Services, uh, which is nested in the Sheriff's Department, uh, working with Ryan Derby, primarily the emergency manager over there, so that we can expand their reach. And, and coordinate with them so we're not operating in some other uh, trajectory and so that sure. we can help coordinate with them. And one of the main ways we're going to do that, in fact, is um, by breaking the co-ed down into working groups of people in similar disciplines or sectors of our society. We have mm -hmm. a dozen of them. And so folks, can, organizations, uh, and not just do good organizations, you know, there are do good restaurant owners, for instance, that will have a bunch of food that they'll want to be able to distribute and things like that. Mm. So anyone should get involved. Uh, but we'll have these working groups to break out into um, functioning, networking, uh, smaller groups, and then they can bring that information back to our larger network. And that's a place where a lot of our community members can get engaged and those working groups include food access working group, child care, tribal working group, access and functional needs, emergency financial assistance, mental and spiritual health, public information and outreach, preparedness and trainings, donations, management, animal welfare and transportation. So mm -hmm. we'll be able to have those groups break out and, uh, and coordinate and then bring that back to the larger group because of course there's overlap the food working group will be working with the tribal working group and things like that. So we'll have networking between those groups to be most effective. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I definitely want to talk more about those working groups too, but you mentioned something uh, before that, that tied into a, a question that, that I was going to ask, which is that, you know, we, we do already have some agencies that, you know, are dedicated to disaster preparation response and specifically the, the Humboldt Sheriff's Office of Emergency Services, <clears throat> you say that you're sort of, you know, working alongside them. I thought maybe you could just explain how what COAD is setting out to do is different than what the Office of Emergency Services does and why we need this, basically. Like, why, why does Humboldt need this, something like this, when we do already have some, emer you know, emergency response in place? Well, that's an excellent question because, uh, of course, they do a, an incredible job by coordinating this sort of um, civilian 
sector, if you will, with the emergency management sector of our community, uh, we can achieve so much more because when something happens, for instance, even the storm that recently happened in Willow Creek mm -hmm. um, or the insane fires that don't stop at county lines that were, are increasingly threatening Humboldt County, they have certain incident command protocols that they follow when something happens. Uh, because to you know to reduce that level of chaos that can happen in an emergency, you have to have someone in charge and people answering to that person and a system in place to make sure it's most effective. Communication is key. So if a lot of organizations go to OES and say, well, "What can we do to help?" Um, that can overwhelm their system because they have their protocols that they follow, and not because they're not excellent at their jobs, of course, but because. Uh, we have a lot of people in our community that want to help when something happens and mm -hmm. and that uh, sort of needs to be coordinated elsewhere so that's why we're working in such close coordination with them so that we can expand their reach and so for instance press releases for instance that would ha have information about evacuations we're not going to be writing our own things that could potentially confuse people, right? We will help get their information out to communities so nothing is lost in that coordination. We also are working with folks to help translate that information. So language barriers won't impede access to that information and also remote um, low income communities. We have a large, of course, we're focused on all of Humboldt County Mm -hmm. but certainly in particular vulnerable communities. And so mm -hmm. making sure that information gets to anyone who's not gonna be seeing it on Facebook, for instance, and things like yeah. that. So we're just really, that's why we're coordinating with them. It, se it seems like, you know, whenever there is some, some major incident in Humboldt, you, there's no shortage of people who you mentioned social media, who will you know rush to Facebook and be, and, and be inquiring, like, how can I help? And it seems like you're saying like, if you are a person that anticipates you might want to be a hero uh, in a time of, uh, of of strain, then in advance, if you might, if if you would, uh, you know, get in touch with with Coad um, and let let you guys know what um, services they they could potentially provide that might be uh, of, of assistance uh, and, and and good to get to you in advance. Certainly in advance, in the moment, uh, it'll be nice when we're coordinated for that. And it is uh, indeed sort of a resource gap analysis of mm -hmm. how many generators can we access if people need them and who has quads or, you know. Another nice thing about Humboldt, people have things like generators and quads. Yeah. <laughs> right, well, sort of why those two things came to the uh, top of my mind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, there's absolutely no experience necessary. So if anyone, you know, just wants to help the community, uh, we, for instance, I've been in contact most recently um, with a couple businesses who want to be involved and, and can provide assistance with that. And Pacific Outfitters, for instance, has all kinds of equipment. Um, and um, so, and also with animal welfare people, you know, we have everything from cats to horses that we're going to need to be able to help. So we need small animal people and large animal people. And if mm. they are already uh, involved in an organization, then one representative from that organization can meet with the larger group and bring that information back. That way also in an emergency, we know who to contact as the point person 
for that group. And so, mm. uh, so that's how that will work. And in the future, we'll also be offering trainings. Um, some of those will be out in the Blue Lake Rancheria. We're working really closely with Anita Huff out there. She's absolutely wonderful. And uh, also at College of the Redwoods, I work with Marty Coelho there, who's also great, of course, in they are the fiscal sponsor. CR is the fiscal sponsor of, of COAD. We're not our own 501c3 yet. So mm -hmm. they'll be offering trainings at CR and Blue Lake and around the region for free to members. So no experience is necessary. There's a lot of folks signing up that have not had any emergency management experience. Mm. What kinds of thing of trainings would would you be offering? I mean, there's so many, there's so many different areas I think that that can fall under, you know, disaster preparedness and, re and response. What 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 are some of those uh, examples? There's some, some that are um, general standardized trainings and others that will be tailored to organizational specific resources available. So there's a, one set of, of trainings that's referred to as ICS, which is Incident Command Systems. And that's uniform. Uh, there's certain protocols. Uh, you can look even at the FEMA website has trainings uh, that a lot of trainings that are available. And so some of those introductory trainings are really helpful to get basic knowledge if folks are interested. So that basic incident command of how does that structure work, having an incident commander and who reports to that person, how do you get information out and public information officers. Um, so there's that level of standardized training. Also, our goal is to help, um, for instance, uh, when something happens, food for people would do something different than a local veterinary clinic or something. So those, uh, we can, our goal is to standardize those somewhat so that when something happens, that particular organization has a plan for what to do. And many of the agencies and organizations I've been talking to, which there's so much enthusiasm, I spend a lot of my time doing that right now, um, they have current emergency plans in place. They don't know if they're effective Mm -hmm. or useful. They're not coordinated with other organizations necessarily. So this way mm -hmm. we'll be able to have more of a uniform plan yeah. in general and then tailored plans depending on what that organization offers. Okay. So that's for organizations, but like what does, what does the average Humboldt resident need to do to, to be ready for extreme situations? Like for, for some reason, I, I, I like focusing on this winter storm we just had, which I think might have been ho hum for a lot of us coastal dwellers, but you know the severity seemed to take uh, a lot of people inland by surprise. You know, like as our as our weather trends more intense, like what what are just some standard things people can do so they are aren't caught off guard in ways that might be difficult to endure. That is that's a great question, and I've been thinking about that a lot in, in my own household, of course, with some of the things that we've all experienced in the past year. Yeah. Uh, clearly being in this position has heightened my awareness as well. Uh, it's been a weird uh, year. <laughs> it's just, you know, we all need to up our game a little bit. And I guess so. Yeah. A lot of that has really come to, to light recently. So individuals, there's a number of things individuals can do. Um, they can be prepared in their own household with go bags and supplies and that's easily googleable you know you can get get pdfs of lists and just get your own household prepared with water and batteries and um, 
Larry Masterman, who's in Weaverville, who's taught me a tremendous amount, always says, keep your shoes by your bed because in earthquakes, oftentimes the um, injuries are days later when people's feet have been cut uh, and the glass, and you know, so things like that, just thinking ahead about how to be prepared if something happens. Also though, and one of the things we can do as COAD to help individuals in our communities is um, help them get plugged in with organizations that do take volunteers. For instance, Pay It Forward Humble, what a great organization. They could mm. use some volunteers. And I was in contact with them during the, um, the storms up in Willow Creek. And um, that things, plugging into organizations that exist and need help are, are an excellent way for folks to get involved. And then those organizations will have a representative at the COET so they can bring information back to them about the whole community. Mm. Um, the Red Cross, uh, Andrew Bogars here, uh, he could use some volunteers for sure. And so there's a lot of great organizations that folks can plug into as individuals. Mm. I'm happy know, to help them find those. I know you're still kind of, you know, getting uh, off the ground right now and, and people are still, you know, in the, the process of joining, I'm sure. Like, what, what are some organizations that have, have gotten involved? Uh, so far with the co-ed like I've heard you mention food for people and that sounds like you know that that seems like a group that would be able to help a lot um are there other ones that you can list I don't know if there's a ton maybe you don't want to list them all but we have a lot of them um and it's increasing every day which is exciting in fact uh just this morning I was working on involving our community resource centers uh, around there's uh 17 of them in the county not all sort of uh, coordinated by the same entity. Um, some of them by Providence St. Joe's, some of them by, um, they were housed at schools. And so I'm um, in contact with them to, that's one of the sort of exceptions that we wouldn't just have one person from those because for instance, a resource center in Willow Creek will have completely different situation than one in Petrolia. And so mm. we're working to coordinate with all of those because they'll be really important in a time of disasters. We're also working with the Humboldt CERT Coalition, Community Emergency Re Response Teams. And um, so they're going to be a part of it, which is great. Sort of like the Red Cross, they already have their own protocols, but want to be coordinated with the larger community. We're also working with faith-based organizations um, and uh, for instance, the Episcopal Diocese has signed up. There's five Episcopal churches in this county. They're going to have one representative who takes it back to everybody. They don't have the staff to be able to have one from. So different organizations are working in different ways. But Access, Humboldt, Area One on Aging, you know, the Red Cross. There's just a lot, a number of groups involved. We uh, we have a different. We have the membership organization category for the members, and then we have a partnership organization category for agencies, county agencies, and municipalities. Right. And so uh, on our website, you, there's a, it defines the difference when you look at how to get involved on our website, which I'll give you in a bit. But um, the, so those are the two categories we have for involvement. Okay, Goff, I have, a, I have a challenge for you. Are you ready? Hold on, go ahead. Okay, so name as many Cypress Grove cheeses as you can in five seconds, okay, go. Five seconds. Well, you got um, you got the Humboldt Fog, which I really like because the, oh wait, we have, uh, oh, you know, the other uh, one. <laughs> okay, wow, so you can only name one Humboldt Fog. Well, 
No, I know more. I just ran out of time. Yeah, well, I think everybody knows about Humboldt Fog, but you know, Cypress Grove makes a variety of cheese. Some of them I haven't even tried. So of course, in addition to the well-known Humboldt Fog, you were probably going to say Purple Haze, I'm guessing. Uh, we yeah. have Midnight Moon. They have Fog Lights, Truffle Tremor, Bermuda Triangle. That's many cheeses. I know. I didn't even know about these. Check them out at cypressgrovecheese.com or purchase it at like pretty much any local grocery store. Neat. You know, uh, Steph, that uh, being an old town worker uh, person, my, the most common place I, I end up at lunch is the North Coast Co-op, uh, where I go, yes, I, yes. I, I hit their salad, I hit their salad bar. And you have given me a, a hard time for the contents of my salad. Um, <laughs> I feel like you make a salad as unhealthy as it, as it can possibly no, be. No, <laughs> I put, I used uh, spinach and I just, I put a lot of tofu on there, but I, I, I have a lot of protein on my salad. But you know what? I got, That's good. I got protein corn, is good. I got onions. I get I, I get green and purple onions, uh, tomato occasionally. And Nothing's I, and wrong. I put, I just, I put a lot of vinaigrette. I put a I lot of the balsamic vinaigrette. Keep calling I, it a salad, you know, when it's just like a pile of tofu with like three spinach leaves under it. But that doesn't matter. There's a, okay. <laughs> All that to say, uh, it's a very nice place to make whatever salad your heart desires. The North Coast Co-op for lunch. Absolutely. And like, and I, we, I noticed that, you know, so to like assist in your efforts, you guys just received a nice, a nice big grant, $100,000 from PG&E um, as part of their Better Together Resilient Communities program. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Uh, and, uh, you know, part of the stated mission of that program is to, is to better prepare vulnerable communities for some of the expected impacts of climate change. Um, and I was wondering, like, as, as you're, you and your partner organizations look to the future, what are some of the ways that you expect climate change to affect Humboldt specific, specifically, and, and how are we pre preparing for that? Well, um, indeed, that was very exciting <clears throat> that, we, that we received that grant. So huge thanks to PG&E for that. Yeah, um, we this is our, our launch just happened in September on the 30th. Yeah. So we uh, it is relatively new. And uh, the Blue Lake Rancheria submitted that grant as a sponsor for us. So that was really wonderful as well. So with climate hazards, of course, we're increasingly vulnerable to a number of different scenarios, um, whether it's fire flooding, landslides, coastal storms are going mm. to be increasing, which threatens homes, uh, infrastructure, economic activity. So there's a number of things that we're looking at um, that will end up also affecting public health and the spread of infectious disease. And um, it's, it's not the lightest topic to research. <laughs> right. Tremendous amount for that, for that it's grant. A big, a big pile of grim. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm happy that I'm a relatively optimistic person in general because this can be pretty intense to learn about this, but it's yeah. important for our community. And so <clears throat> it's important that we learn to respond to that. And we're looking at remote populations and these extreme precipitation events. So we need to be prepared for flooding, for instance, and, and fires, as we know. Thank, thankfully, we've had some rain this winter, yeah. but as we know, it can get very dry here. I've been in Humboldt 28 years, and I think last year was the most I've heard people in Humboldt talk about 
the threat of fire to our communities. Sure. Um, one thing I wanted to mention on flooding in particular is the rise in extreme precipitation events will increase the frequency and extent of our flooding yeah. in our low-lying areas. So recent estimates in the articles that I have um, read are <clears throat> indicate that Humboldt Bay has the highest local sea level rise in California. I've, I've read this, something about the combination of like, you know, our, the, the tectonic activity that we have off the coast and, and just the, the nature of our bay make it mm -hmm. especially susceptible to uh, the effects of that. Yeah. Right, then you put that on top of it, right? Or, or underneath it as the case may be. Yeah. <laughs> it certainly uh, exacerbates the problem. So our rate of sea level rise is greater than the global and regional sea level rise rates. So, um, <laughs> you know, I was driving along the safety corridor the other day and it literally looked like the, the water's higher than the road at times. Yeah. And that's always where I sort of think of it the most is when I'm on that stretch. <clears throat> but yeah. certainly we have a lot of homes and populations in these low-lying areas and we need to prepare for that considering the our rate. Yeah. Um, but also, of course, um, as far as climate goes, the, the fires and other situations are basically it pertains to everything we're experiencing except earthquakes. And so that's a lot. We've seen you, from COVID that public health is no easy task to yeah. coordinate. So yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a large undertaking in that regard. Yeah. Another area, area I think where we've talked a lot recently in the county about how climate change affects us a lot is in being a climate refuge as people keep referring to it and that when disasters happen in other places that we also are in a position where a lot of people come to our area like especially our coastal areas like when we talk about fires that's not something that we're we're seeing a lot yet on right on the coast um but we do see them a bunch in inland Humboldt and Trinity and Del Norte. And then a lot of people come to us seeking shelter from, from disasters. So is that something that goes into your planning as well is about, you know, the areas of Humboldt that, that help when disasters occur elsewhere? Definitely. And that's, that's also something that we put into that PG&E grant. Um, mm. We have uh, a lot of people who flee to here for right. refuge during the event of something exactly. elsewhere. Yeah. And we also have a lot of folks relocating here. I just talked to someone the other day that's um, relocating here to get away from the heat and the smoke. And mm. uh, so that puts uh, impact on our infrastructure. We will certainly have supply issues if you look at 199, 299, and the 101, uh, we can pretty easily be very isolated. And so yeah. having to bring in supply issues for um, that many more people that are fleeing to Humboldt is, is a definite impact on our situation. And um, so that, and the hospitals, I mean, to respond to the increased number of people here when of course there's limited supplies, uh, at the hospitals as well is is an impact on our system. So it affects it affects everybody, both who are living in those disasters and where those people need to go. Last year in the fires, people needed to get out of Trinity County and come to the the coast, and we want to be able to house them and help them. We are working regionally because of exactly what you said, Stephanie. Because Del Norte and Trinity, in particular, fires don't 
stop at county lines, as I mentioned, and also, you know, frankly, neither do, do tribes and <clears throat> other entities that we're coordinating with on a larger scale. And so, um, so we're in contact with both those counties. We modeled uh, our Humboldt COAD largely uh, with the help of the Napa Valley COAD, which mm. provided us with their bylaws and their membership charter. And we modified all those to fit the needs of our community. So then we can act as that sort of an organization to Del Norte and Trinity County and pot potentially a larger area. So to help them get off the ground without having to start from scratch, because we really do need to coordinate regionally. Yeah. And the OES offices already are in contact with each other, but we on the ground need to be also. You know, another thing that you mentioned that stuck out to me was at the beginning of this chat, we just talked about how geographically isolated uh, we are around here too. And I think that one of the big issues when we experience certain types of disasters can be like supplies getting here. And of course, that's something that we've seen a lot of during COVID too, you know, just, we just hear a lot about supplies running out places. Um, what, it, I mean, what kind of steps are being taken to address that, that specific issue? How can we in, ensure that we'll have access to supplies that we need during disasters? We've certainly seen a number of supply issues during COVID. So we're sort of looking at two things. We're looking at supply chain issues. Supply um, chain, that's what people always say. So that, like, whether or not we can get, no, they're certainly related. And yeah. so, for instance, getting propane into the area, even when we have roads, you know, um, and things like that, that have happened, toilet paper comes to mind. Right, no, is... of course, yeah, we all think about- How when can we supply we, enough for everybody? When we ran out of toilet paper at the um, beginning. Humble, <laughs> really never know. humble but, people uh, know about leaves, I would say. And we're, 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 we're resilient. <laughs> That's right. Folk. That's right. Yeah. We need more yeah. deciduous trees. Yeah. So <laughs> we have there are supply chain issues, and then we have actual what if the roads are gone sort right. of issues, right. just transportation right. issues, and can they fly in, and how's our airport doing, and all that sort of thing. So uh, we do have a transportation working group uh, is one of our dozen working groups that I listed earlier, and. Um, we've been in contact, uh, we of course want to coordinate with Caltrans and uh, agencies like that. So we certainly have a lot of work to do uh, at this point because we're so new, we recognize a lot of the challenges. We don't yet have uh, solid solutions, but, um, but, but the people getting engaged are so knowledgeable that bringing together folks in the community who uh, have expertise in these areas are, is gonna help everybody. Mm -hmm. Somebody here has the capability of making toilet paper out of their own home. They should get in contact with you because that could be <laughs> that's, that's, helpful that, in the future. That would be, I, that I have would... no doubt that somebody has that <laughs> skill out of like recycled newspaper that's or something. Right. Yeah, well, that's I guess right. we could just use newspaper. Yeah. But. yeah. Well, maybe like uh, Allison, you know, I, I wanted to ask just a little bit about you and and how you found your way to this work. Like, why why why, why was this a thing that you decided to uh, pour some, some personal energy into? Like, what, what's, what, what made you passionate about, about this? Well, I guess the first thing that comes to mind is I, I never have worked on anything I don't believe in. And so uh, that's sort of the basic premise. I've been in Humboldt for about 28 years, initially came here for graduate school in natural resources management. So mm. most of my background has been in environmental conservation work. And 
trying to keep things from going extinct. <laughs> Most mm -hmm. recently, I worked for about eight years um, with a regional coalition in a four county area, Del Norte, Trinity, Humboldt, and Mendocino mm -hmm. on some public lands legislation that our wonderful Congressman Jared Huffman has gotten through the house and we're working on getting that through the Senate. As you know, things in Congress are a little complicated these days, yeah. but we're not stopping. And so that um, was my sort of most recent project. And after I completed my contract on that, which um, then I was looking for another way to get involved in something I believe in that would help our community. And I had never heard of a co-ad, frankly, as most people haven't. Mm -hmm. And uh, in fact, I had a sticky note on my computer that said community organizations active in disaster for a little yeah, while. It's, when I was it's a mouthful, yeah. It's just a little <laughs> awkward, but, um, but we're all getting used to it. That's why we just call it co-ed. But yeah. people forget all the time. So I applied last February to be the launch coordinator for the launch that was scheduled uh, for the fall. And I was very grateful to get that position because it requires a lot of community organizing and because of projects I've worked on in the past, I uh, love to do that sort of work and helping mm. folks get involved in things. And so I did a lot of that. I pulled together a launch committee with about a dozen really wonderful people on it. And we worked closely together up to the launch September 30th. And then they stayed on through the end of the year for our follow-up on that. But that included not only outreach, but writing the bylaws and the membership charter and even coming up with a mission statement and all those sorts mm. of things. And, and so then at the end of the year, they were hiring for a director moving forward. And so I applied for that just like anybody else. and. Yeah. Um, of course, was not even involved in any of the hiring committee meetings or anything. We wanted to make sure it was a, it was, that was a separate process. So I was uh, grateful to get that position. So now I'm acting as the director. Yeah. As you, you, you mentioned you, you, you formerly were uh, attempting to help other species from not going extinct. And now it seems like you're trying to help humans from not going extinct as we, That's right. as, we as we barrel towards the uncertain future. <laughs> <laughs> it's a funny pivot to go from a lifetime of environmental work to, oh man, let's deal with the disasters. Like it doesn't really feel like a different topic to me, especially researching this climate grant yeah, yeah. recently received. Uh, so it, it's uh, certainly related. Yeah. Yeah, it's certainly, and it, and certainly seems needed. It's, it, this is, as you say, you know, it, 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 it seems like it's picking up steam every year. Everything is, everything feels crazy right now, Allison. <laughs> I, I would have to agree with you on that. Yeah. 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 I definitely, and I feel like with, with the pandemic, we've experienced of like the extremes of what disasters can be. And, and, even maybe things that we didn't think about before. I, I think, you know, we, we think a lot about disasters, just things like earthquakes and uh, tsunamis, but of course it can also be a pandemic. And then we have overlapping disasters. So we have times where we're having a global pandemic and then an earthquake or a winter storm happens as well while we're still experiencing that. And we've, we've seen some scenarios that we might have not maybe even thought of necessarily before. Yeah. I would exactly. Say. Yeah, exactly. And that I, it just makes me think hearing you talk about that, that it just really shows what an important time it is to come together as a community and get prepared. We all went through COVID sort of together, but separately. And yeah. 
uh, a lot of people were, you know, getting groceries for their neighbors or, you know, uh, even during the power safety, uh, the power shutoffs, the PSPS uh, situation, folks are on machines sometimes in their homes that need to be plugged in, for instance. Yeah. And so just, it really is brought to light the need for us to work together as a community. And that's why it's free and we're saying no experience necessary because anybody should be able to help anybody. And this is a good time to come together as a community and, and really figure out how we can do that most effectively. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Well, um, so if if we'll we'll obviously have this on on the site, but if you know people are interested in in, in joining the co-ad, like how how would people get in, involved? We would we would love to hear from everybody who's interested. If folks go to our website, humboldtcoad.org, so humboldtcoad.org, there's information and our mission and all that sort of information. There's also a link to how to get involved, and if they go to that link, then there's a PDF link there that's our membership and partnership charter. And that's a document that folks can read. There's just one page to sign and sign up, say who your representative and alternate are going to be. And then yeah. they can scan that or even take a picture of it and email it to me at allison at humblecoad.org. And my email address is also on the website. And we are going to have our first all coad meeting in February. And uh -huh. so now is the time for folks to sign up because then I can put them on the list to be notified about that meeting and they can be involved right from the start. Will there be Great. snacks? <laughs> it's probably going to well, be virtual, I'm guessing, uh, at the moment. Oh, oh. <laughs> I choose to provide them for themselves. We okay. did, I have to say our launch back in September, we were hoping for, you know, 30, 40 people. We had over 125 people at that Oh, party. wow. Oh, okay. Well, then, what, yeah, you're successful. What do you... That's a lot of snacks. But okay, not yeah. all those people... <laughs> <laughs> not all, all those organizations have signed up. So the, it's really important that folks know, unless I get that signed membership charter set, scanned and sent back yeah. to me, that's how you get on the list to be involved. So we see the enthusiasm. We just need to make that next step of helping people get involved. And yeah. certainly uh, we're getting more of those sent to me every day. So yeah. it's working. That's exciting. It's, it's only going to get worse, people. You really need to show <laughs> up and like, step up and, that's right. and, that's, and be a, that's be a hero. Yeah, well, the worst is yet to come. Yeah. Allison, you, you mentioned, I mean, to, to join COAD, you need to be a representative of some sort of entity then, right? I mean, it's not for just a, a regular Joe That's <laughs> to, to just come in on their own and, and volunteer for it. No, but you could help guide people though, right? If somebody does reach out to you because they want to somehow be involved you you wouldn't just tell them you know go away right you're gonna tell them what <laughs> <No>. they can <laughs> that's not my tendency in organizing, yeah. telling people to go away but uh, <laughs> certainly uh i mean the co-ed is structured that it's representatives because yeah. we want to help be a hub of organizing entities when something happens yeah. but uh anyone who's interested in volunteering uh Virtually all of the involved groups, or at least many of them, would uh, are taking volunteers, and right. so I'm happy to, to help and connect them with groups that would benefit from their mm. volunteering. Talking about some of the things you said earlier, like like if you have a generators or forerunners, <laughs> what if a, a, just an individual has things like that? Uh, do, is it good for them to to reach out to to you still to kind of 
I'm so glad. Yeah. I'm so glad you asked that because that is uh, definitely important. There are just individuals or Mm -hmm. even organizations that aren't going to be members who have resources and Mm -hmm. uh, would like to offer those if something happens or when something happens. And we do have as a part of that membership and partnership charter that's in our get involved link on our website, there is a resource section to that where folks can put their name and contact information and what resources do they have that would help us. So there is a way to help without attending any meetings, which I'm sure will appeal to some people. Yeah. Um, so that that's that would be really helpful if folks check that out as well. Absolutely. Okay. okay. Great. Well, thank yeah. you. I We appreciate you so much. Is there anything else that you want, want to add, uh, any message to the community or something that you feel like we didn't cover? It's It's really been clear to me in the past year of working on this project with my history and working on different issues uh, in the community uh, that can be, you know, not polarizing, but not everybody agrees all the time, as we know. And uh, this is a great opportunity for us to let all those barriers go. And just, I mean, an 8.0 is going to hit everybody, you know, and so this is an opportunity for us as a community to all come together and, and help each other which is what's going to be required. And after, you know, 28 years in this county, it's really inspiring, frankly, to, to be working on something where it just is, uh, involves absolutely every individual, yeah. regardless mm-hmm. of economic status, language, political viewpoint, anything. It's, this is really a chance for us to come together, which, which uh, is, is really, refreshing and critically important. I, I, I liked something you said a, a couple of minutes ago, just the, the worst is yet to come. Can we adopt that as the official Humboldt co-ad slogan? Like that's, that's it's, it's, a, to, it's a nice. You know, <laughs> with, with my eternal optimistic outlook, it has to start with cheer up, the worst is yet to come because yeah. it just, well, just a little bit, you know, a little bit it, lighter. But it just caught, it just caught my brain right. And I was like, oh, that's, that's, that's a good. Yeah. Well, I said, yeah. Yeah, Allison, th- thank you so much for uh as i said uh, zooming zooming with us and uh yeah and if you know loco is a, an organization so I, obviously if you if there are ways in which you think that we could be better uh serving this community during uh horrible shitty times then please let us uh let us know careful what you ask for yeah, yeah right <laughs> ah, okay thank you All right. awesome. thanks allison thank Have you both weekend. so much cool Great. bye Okay, well, thank you again so much to Allison Sterling Nichols for joining us today to talk a little bit more about Humboldt Coad and what they are doing to help us prepare for the inevitable upcoming the, disasters. I'm afraid the worst to say. is yet to come. Oh yes, I know. Well, what she say? Cheer up! The worst yeah. is yet to come. So I actually sure. really like that. We should put that on a on a t-shirt. Maybe they'll yeah. make t-shirts. Yeah, anyway, the uh, but check them out at uh, humboldtcoad c o a b dot org and i hope that everybody stays safe out there and is uh, being responsible about the current disaster that we're dealing with with the surge in omicron cases so please stay masked get vaccinated get boosted if you have not all right see y'all next week a big thank you again to cypress grove cheese for helping make humble holding up possible 
not only yes. by pro providing sponsorship, but by making those delicious goat cheeses that help get us up in the morning. You know, <laughs> I think of cheeses sometimes as something you just spread on a cracker. No, but you know, if you're looking for some other interesting ways to use your cheese, I actually wow. just discovered that Cypress Grove has some recipes on its website. You just discovered this? Yeah, I did. Just now. It's Continue. They have <laughs> things like Humboldt Fog Brulee, Broccoli and Midnight Moon Fritters. Sure. Sounds good, right? Check out all these uh, recipes, those things, and more at cypressgrovecheese.com slash recipes. Okay. Of course, this this podcast also wouldn't be possible without the North Coast Co-op, which uh, provides basically all of the food that you and me eat. Uh, I don't know what we would do without the co-op, Goff. Uh, yeah, I well, you know, I, I mentioned my salad before. I will, I will say, I don't always get the salad. Uh, sometimes I stop by the little sushi desk uh, where they get the, the poke bowl. Have you ever had the poke bowl? Oh, I, yeah, of course. Yeah, no, it's got, I know you uh, like those. It's got so much, fish. yeah, it's got fish and fresh avocado fish. and uh, little carrots and, yeah. and, and uh, little shrimps. Yeah. On the poke bowl, it's delightful. I like their um, sandwiches. I like their baked goods. It has everything sure. that you need. And, and on top of being an amazing grocery store that provides everything that you need, they also, I just want to mention one more time, now, just like everybody else in the world, have a podcast. We're You're talking a podcast. about Cheese the Day stuff? I am talking about Cheese the Day. That's the only one that I know of. You can find Cheese the Day wherever you find your podcasts. And uh, it's... I would be able to name more cheeses in five seconds if I listened to Cheese the Day, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, you probably, you probably would. And I think that okay. you need to work on that. So check it out. Okay. Cheese the Day. Homework. North Coast Co-op. <laughs> 